Welcome to the Seek Forgiveness Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Seek Forgiveness Podcast. Today, we're sharing the audio from a video interview that was conducted with Aaron Randauer, a young man who at the time of recording was diagnosed with psychosis and depression. Following the recording, Aaron was re-diagnosed as living with EUPD, or Emotionally Unstable Personality Disorder. You can find more information about personality disorders, psychosis and depression on the Seek Forgiveness website, and there will be links posted in the description section of the podcast. If you'd like to donate to Seek Forgiveness, you can do so by following the link at ko.fi forward slash Seek Forgiveness. Any donations given will be used for future SF projects. Yeah, I went, oh, you know, uh, I finished college. I got what I needed grades-wise to get into university, but I thought what I'm going to do first is take a year out, mm-hmm. um, sort of get a job, earn a bit of money, and then go, because I didn't want the pressure of sitting in exams thinking, if I don't get this, I'm not going to uni. So when I did get the grades, I thought, brilliant, sort of took, um, applied for uni, um, you know, I had to do a personal statement, I went through all that effort and I got, you know, I applied for four unis, got in all four unis, mm. chose my uni, Staffordshire, um, got into Staffordshire, you know, it was brilliant, um, it was a lot of commuting though, uh, my mum and dad weren't really comfortable with me stopping out, uh, okay. they wanted me to, to commute because um, they didn't think because my brother went to uni as well and he didn't stop out so they were said like you don't need to stop out you come home mm. um so obviously then i was commuting each day uh I, you know i'd get up at five leave my house at six i wouldn't get back until seven in the, in the evening okay. on, a, on a normal day on a full day um it's a long day it's a long day yeah. and then i'd come home i'd eat and i'd be straight in my room and i'd be on my laptop studying mm. um but then it was all, well, obviously, like, when I went in September 2014, I started. Uh, I'd say February 2015, um, I started realising that uh, I was I was becoming a little bit unwell. Um, I was feeling very, sort of, down about things. Mm-hmm. Um, I was feeling quite, quite sort of, uh, sort of, very negative about who I am as a person. Um, didn't want to get out of bed in the morning. Um, was having trouble sleeping. I was, you know, couldn't get out of bed. Um, I didn't, I didn't have the motivation to get up and get ready, and, you know, get to uni. Yeah. Um, but I just thought maybe I'm overworking myself. Maybe it's just I'm having a little bit of a down, sort of downtime, but it'll pass. Uh, and then as as the days went on, things started to get a little bit worse and worse, which was a sort of a trigger to me. I thought something's not quite right. What were you um, noticing? You know, uh, my mood was getting a lot worse, a lot worse. Um, I was, I was, you know, everything that would go into my head, thoughts-wise, was negative. Um, mm. uh, you know, I'd do, I'd, I'd have a lecture, and you know, after the lecture, I'd, I'd be sitting there and I'm thinking, oh, I didn't get this, I didn't get, that, I don't get it, and I panic, and then I think, and then automatically, rather than thinking, okay, you can have a look at it, it was, I'm gonna fail this course, I'm gonna fail this course, and then. I would get into, you know, I'd be sitting in the, on the train on the way back from uni and I'd be sitting there going, oh, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail. And then, um, you know, um, I started getting upset. Um, my emotions were all over the place. I was getting, you know, crying or I was angry or I was upset. Um, more 
I wouldn't say I was angry at uni or the lecturer, but I think it was more negative towards myself. Mm. Uh, but even then, I still thought, nah, you know, maybe it's just, you know, me being a book. Because I before, before two thousand and fifteen, I mean, I was, I was, a, you know, a happy kid, um, very happy within between school. Um, when I was younger, I was diagnosed with nephrotic syndrome, which is a, a protein. The, the uh, kidney leaks a lot more protein than it normally should. Right. Uh, so I was in and out of hospital from the age of two to seven. Um, uh, so in 2015, like I said, you know, when I went to uni and then things started to get bad for me and um, the triggers, I didn't, you know, I, I, it was, it, I thought, okay, maybe I'm not feeling well, but I was too afraid to, to tell my mum and dad or even my friends that, you know, I'm, I'm having these, these thoughts, I'm having these negative feelings about myself, I'm not having the motivation to get out and about, um, I just thought, they're gonna say, "Yo, you being silly," or you know, "There's nothing wrong with you," or mm. you know, "You know, come on, you know, you know, what what is what's to be sad about?" And whatnot. So I, I just sort of suffered in silence, really. Um, so then, in April, um, things were getting very bad. Um, the the mood was like so low. I mean, I was having thoughts of, um, you know, why am I here? Um, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm. Um, that was alarming. That was as soon as I had that thought of, I don't want to be here anymore. Uh, I I realized something wasn't right here, so I need to, and I I need to, uh, and I need to reach out for help, or I need to do something because my own safety is at jeopardy here. So what did you do? Instead of reaching out, I started searching online, um, mm -hmm. typing my symptoms in, and and then it was coming up with depression and depression, and I thought I can't have depression. But you know, I'm a young kid. You know, we don't have depression like like being a young kid, an Asian kid. Like I don't know, I don't live apart from my granddad. I don't have anybody knew. I didn't even my grand knew my granddad had depression. My mom and dad just said he went well, mm. so I didn't know what he what he had or what. Um. I thought I just thought nah, nobody in my family's got depression. Like, I can't have that. And and I thought nah, no, they'll they'll pass. Uh, but then I started um started hearing voices then right. and when I heard the voices and I thought well, this is definitely not 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 right I need to reach out and I remember uh, one day uh, things you know I was very um, down I was um, in my room I think I was in my room from eight o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock at night didn't leave my room didn't eat didn't you know didn't interact with anyone mm. um, people would come in my room and when they'd come in my room, I'd pretend I'm studying, but really, I was just sitting there. No, 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 no. I would normally, when I'm working, listen to music, but no music, no, no, you know, laptop wasn't even on. Mm. Um, it was open, but it wasn't on. So, like, if somebody had come in my room, I'd pretend I'm studying because I didn't want them to see like, what's wrong with me. Do you remember, like, what you were thinking, or do you remember, were you thinking anything in particular, or...? What were you having in terms of thoughts or feelings? When I was sitting there in my computer chair, uh, I was thinking, why am I feeling like this? What, you know, is there something wrong with me? Mm. Is, is, have I done something wrong? Is, is God punishing me? Um, you know, am I, am I different from everyone else now? Because I'm having these thoughts and feelings and I'm hearing these voices. Um, and and uh, I, I was, I was telling, 
people at uni I wasn't feeling right mm. but they would just say oh it's maybe stress of the exams and kind of come because it was coming to the end of the semester uh, you know it's it maybe it's the, the stress of exams you maybe you're just feeling like a little bit low and I thought maybe but then when the voices came I thought this isn't stress this like I, I've heard about people that are stressed they don't hear voices right. so then I sat there and I remember just sitting there and I felt so numb uh, I was looking out the window it was dark because it was April it was you know it was about eight, half eight nine o'clock at night uh, and I was just standing sitting there and I was just staring out the window uh, and, and, and I, you know I just emotions just got the best of me i started crying um mom came in the room i think she only came in the room to put something in my room and she noticed i was just staring out the window mm -hmm. she thought it's not right uh, she said what's the matter um, and i never answered and then when she came and she saw i'm in sort of distress all of it and she was very upset she, you know she she panicked and thought well, what's what's happened and i i just thought this is the time now i ain't gonna get another chance like this so i was like i, I need to i need to tell my mom and dad how i feel what's right. happening um what, mom, did, what did you explain to them i told them uh, i don't want to be here anymore um i, I don't I want to kill myself um i'm hearing these voices they're telling me to kill myself um they're, they're being very negative they're saying negative things about me my family um i'm i'm you know i'm feeling really down um i'm not i don't feel comfortable i don't feel motivated to even do anything anymore um you know, I, I, I just don't want to be here anymore. And then, um, so I kind of... What, what, were, what were you hearing? Sorry. Um, if, you, if you can go into... No, yeah, of course. No, um, it was... Uh, see, this, this, I wasn't quite sure whether it was my own thoughts or was the voices, but right. to me, they were voices because I know what my own thoughts sound like. And I yeah. know I could di distinguish that this wasn't my own thoughts. This was... Um, people talking to me, different mm -hmm. voices. I can't recognise who they were, but they were like um, saying stuff like, um, you're worthless, no, you're useless, nobody likes you, mm -hmm. you're going to fail uni, mm -hmm. you're never going to find love, you're never going to have, you know, all your friends hate you, your family hate you, and you're better off dead. And, and things like this would be in my, you know, to saying these two things to me, like from the morning I wake up in the morning to the minute, you know, I, I weren't sleeping at all. Right. So it was just non-stop, constant, constant, and and um, how many know, how many days were you going without sleep? You know, I I think the most I went was three days. Right. But I would just, uh, you know, I I didn't I, I was having time and I was I can't get into uni because I'm not feeling well. I'm not going to uni because I'm not feeling well. Mm. And I would just tell my mom and dad because I didn't want them to say I didn't. I just said to them, this was prior to me telling them. I I didn't want to tell them that I was feeling down and whatnot. I just said, oh, it's study week or it's, it's this, I don't need to go in. That night I didn't sleep at all. I just lay in bed all night, awake. And I remember getting up at four in the morning, five in the morning, going into my mum's room. And my dad had gone to work. So I'm, and I woke my mum up. I said, look, I don't feel well. I, need to, you know, I don't want to sit on my own. Cause, and I sat there and um, my mum made the appointment. And I was very scared to go to the doctors. Very scared because I didn't know what to expect, what they were going to say. Right. And... Uh, then we walked in when I was called in, I called in and I sat down and uh, I wouldn't make eye contact with the doctor because mm. I'd always feel very anxious, very worried. Yeah. And, and uh, he noticed a lot of my behaviour and he, he said to my mum, before she even said anything, he goes, I know why you're here. She said, he doesn't look well. I, I know what it is. I got a, 
idea of what was wrong, but he let my mum explain what was going on. Mm-hmm. And he said, I knew it. He said, he goes, you can't even look me in the eye. Like, I can see because of my fatigue. Um, you could tell that I was tired. Um, yeah. My eyes were sort of bags underneath my eyes because mm-hmm. I weren't sleeping. And I lost a lot of weight, a lot of weight. I think I used to weigh 13, 12 stone when I used to, before I went to uni. Mm-hmm. And in April, I weighed nine. Nine stone. That's, that's dramatic. Mm. Yeah. Because I wasn't eating. Yeah. Even my favourite foods, I wasn't eating. Right, okay. Um, so, uh, uh, why, why not? Just wouldn't eat. Uh, well, was it was just worry. Was, yeah, worry. It was the anxious, the anxiety. Right. I okay. was feeling uh, full up. Yeah. I, I look at food and I'm like, and, and like, at uni, I was not eating. Mm. Um, I was sort of living off coffee. Right. And stuff like stimulants like coffee and tea and whatnot. Um, and um, doctor said, look, we, we, we need to address this quickly because he's losing weight. You know, he, he's not looking, he's, he looks, he's not the weight he should be at his sort of height. Um, so he put me on antidepressants. Then when he said I've got depression, um, it hit hard because I thought the worst fear that I thought it would just be confirmed. Right. And I thought, Depression. What? What's that? Like, what? What does? What? Where do we go from here? Is there a treatment for it? Is there a cure for it? You know, I, I didn't know anything about it. Mm. Um, and he said, "Look, I'm going to put you forward for some support. Um, you'll hear from him today. I'm going to make it urgent." Who did he contact? He did contact the early intervention service, which is a service um, because of the voices. Mm. Um, he was quite concerned. He. he the early intervention service is a service um, in Warsaw and Dudley that consists of nurses and psychiatrists. Yeah. Um, so a couple of days later, uh, obviously whilst I've been taking my um, antidepressants and my uh, sort of mood stabiliser on diazepam, just to get my agitation under control, uh, I remember uh, my care, well, who was going to be my care coordinator, John, and uh, a psychiatrist, my one of the lead psychiatrist came to my house with me mom and dad sitting down mm-hmm. uh, and he said um yeah he let me tell i told him what was going on the voices my mood and stuff and i said to him i said look i said i'm i'm i'm, I'm getting to a point now i'm scared for my own safety and he said you know this is you know this is possibly one of the worst i've heard from you know, I, he goes, I don't really, he said, I'm telling you the truth, but I don't, I don't think I've ever been to a young Asian lad like yourself, your age. I don't think I've ever come across anybody mm. like you that, 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 that suffers from this. And what, I thought what, that, was it, what was it like for you to hear that? It, I, then I just thought, you know, the, the voice would say, see, I told you, you're different. Nobody, you know, you, you know, you're not the same as everyone else. You, mm. you, you know, you're abnormal, you know there's something wrong with you you know and all these sort of stuff and i thought when he said that i thought yeah, yeah that's it i knew it. i'm different you know i see now i'm not the same as everyone else but he said i'm not saying that as a, as a, as, a, as to make you feel bad i'm just saying that this is for me this is like you know it's good that you've you should be proud that you've you've come out and said look this is what i'm suffering with because there's a lot of people who don't do that right and when i heard that i thought it did sort of make me feel a bit like, oh, okay, no, he said that, you know, he's called me brave and, you know, he said, 
coming out like to, to, to admit that you've got a problem with your mental health is a big big thing for you know egos even people nowadays like oh, there's people out there that, that that don't like they can't admit because they're too ashamed yeah. or they're they're afraid of what their parents are gonna say but you you you've done that you've done the hard bit now the, the it's gonna be hard the, the journey to recovery that you said well you know you're, you're gonna have all the support mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll get you there it'll be a long journey but we'll get you there and what was that support like what how did it but when i heard that then i started i i i obviously that little bit of optimism came in and i thought okay now now if he said i've done the hard bit um so then he said look we'll, we'll get you to see a psychiatrist with the medication we'll keep you but he said i want to try you on these medications so he ripped me a prescription these are the medications i want to try you on um for, for to start off with what did he put you on Citalopram um, and, and a few others. I can't remember the names on now, but um, yeah, he, he once he put me on that, uh, he said, look, this is John, he'll be your CPN, your community psychiatric nurse. Um, he's going to come to your house once a week to come and have a chat with you, see how you're getting on, monitor your progress, and then he's going to report back to me from what he, you're telling him. He's going to report back to me, then I'm, if, if there's anything that needs to, any changes or any sort of, anything that needs to be made then I, I, will, I will make that decision right so then he, he came to my house the next day he came with a massive folder and i remember sitting with him and, and i just he, he asked me how well i said things are not getting better i'm getting worse the voices increasing in numbers um, my mood isn't getting any better so he said okay and he, he he talked to me on a level like where you know like like i'm not like i don't have an illness he talked to me on a level like a friend He'll talk to you like you, you know. He'll talk to you about like, oh yeah, yeah. How you getting on? You know, you know. Why, did you watch the football over the weekend? And and you'd sort of take my mind away from it for a little bit. Yeah. And then and then if I had any problems, obviously I'd say to him, yeah, but John, you know, this is what I'm worried about. And he, he'll, he'll talk to me and he'll say, okay. And I'll never forget. He used to always out of his bag, he'd pull out his like notepad with a pen, and he'll start drawing these sort of. He said, you know these little diagrams like okay this is how you're feeling but what's stopping you from feeling like this mm. and, and this and then it it, it it put that optimism in me to think okay yeah maybe you know maybe there is there is a way i can deal with this yeah and um so john john was working close with me uh he was brilliant you know he'd come every week um and then once every three months i had to go to see a psychiatrist with John uh, was obviously present and uh, the person that I saw initially had gone off long-term sick so mm-hmm. I had to be transferred to another psychiatrist so then I saw her I told her she obviously had the folder of what was going on uh, so then when I went to go see her three months after when things weren't getting any better mm-hmm. um, uh, she put me on some antipsychotic medication and antidepressants to okay. sort of Oh, how with the voices and whatnot. Do you remember the name of the antipsychotic? Yeah, it was uh, the antipsychotic. The the, antipsych- the the medication she put me on was mirtazapine, um, and uh, I was on venlafaxine. Right. Okay. So I was on them two at the time, mm-hmm. um, and uh, she said, "Look, we'll monitor your progress. See how you get on for the next three months. You come back in, and we'll see what we can do then, unless we have to make an emergency appointment." Um, so a few months went down the line, and and. Uh, when I saw her again, I said, look, things are not getting any better. I'm getting worse and worse. 
I said, okay. She said, all right, then we need to, we, we need to maybe put you on more antipsychotics because the voice, the voices were increasing in numbers and they were increasing in sort of uh, how negative they were being. Different voices, maybe I was hearing, you know, elderly people voices, mm. um, young people voices, um, people shouting at me, people arguing with me. Um, sometimes they would, they would argue with themselves. So one person would say this, the other person would say, no, you got all this going on in your head and, you know, it's very hard to concentrate on other things. Did you, um, do you know roughly how many voices you were hearing? Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember I sat there once and counted, I think it was 70 right. different ones. I could count, I could count. And um, they're constantly talking Constantly, all the right. time. And, and all at each other. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, June 2015, um, I had a phone call. I was out actually with friends because um, it was my friends who just graduated. So uh, I was out having a coffee with friends and I had a phone call from my mum. I said, she said, you need to come home quickly. I panicked. I thought, okay. Then. I didn't really think anything of it. I thought, okay, let's see what's going on. So I got, managed to get home. Um, my mum was packing, so I was where, where are we going? She goes, me and you go go swindling because your granddad's not well. Not, not my granddad that had depression, but my mum's dad. She said, he, he's not well, he's in hospital. I said, oh, I didn't really think you know. He was always in and out of hospital. He was unwell, really. He, was, he had bad health. So then, oh, you know, we went to the swindling. I saw him in the hospital and, and I was sitting there and um, my baby said, let's see who gets better first. I don't know. Papa, and I said, oh. think anything of it but then the next day we had a phone call to say that he took a turn for the worst right um and when we went to the hospital then um they they he, you know he was just like he, he was he was he was crying in pain he was you know he, he was on his part he weren't talking to anybody he was in pain um and i said to my mom i said look i can't stay i sit here this is making me feel 10 times worse so my mom said my cousins came to pick me up from the hospital and took me to their house even though I was away from it, I couldn't stop worrying about it. Um, Do you feel as though you were really vulnerable to the stress? Of course, of course. It, it, you know, as soon as someone start crying, I think is that it. Right. You know what I mean. So I went home, and uh, I remember the car journey back. We never spoke. Me and my dad never spoke. We just sat there. Mm. So my dad was driving. I just sat there. No music. I just sat there because I didn't. I was too. No, I tried music, but it weren't working. And I just thought. I just thought, you know, what what am I gonna do? Like, you know, how you know, grandparents. I I, I was very lucky enough to grow up with all four grandparents. Mm. You know, I have I had the privilege to meet all four grandparents. I even had the privilege to meet a grand grandma. So in that aspect, I was quite lucky. But um, when I went home, uh, from what I forgot to mention, in April when when I when I told when I told uh, when I you know. What was going on? Um, I, I, my room, my room became a no go for me. I couldn't even go in there to pick my clothes out. I couldn't go in there at all to do anything because I just felt there was this negative energy. I thought that something was a spirit or some sort of demon was in my room because I, whenever I'd go in there, I'd feel like, like really scared. Really, the voices were very loud. Um, and I said to my mum, I said, I'm, I'm not going in there. I said, I, you know, I don't care. Anything, I'm not going in there. And I remember I slept on the sofa downstairs for nine months before I'd even go in my room. Um, my mum, obviously, my mum and my brother would go in there to 
polish and groove or whatnot, mm. I would not step in there. You know, if, if, if I needed to get changed, I'd get my mum to go pick my clothes up and I'd stand outside. And um, for nine months, I just, you know, on the sofa, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even step in my room. And uh, that day when it happened, my papa, I remember going to sleep and in my dream, my papa came in my dream and he said, oh, you know, he said, Harry, I'm okay. Don't worry, you know, you'll get better. And I remember just waking up. I thought, whoa, that was a bit weird. I had a dream papa. And I'd say, what, 30 seconds later, the phone could say he died. And when I heard that, I thought, God. Mm. But then I didn't react like normal people were going to start crying. I didn't cry. Cause I, was I, felt, I felt numb. I, didn't, I had no emotion. Okay. I, I felt really numb. But... Do you feel as though that may have been a side effect of the medication? Or yeah, do you think yeah, it was, it was, your, it was the diazepam. Right, okay. The diazepam. I was on, I was because of my agitation. Yeah. Um, I was under, I was on the highest dose of diazepam. Right. So and they said normally diazepam is as and when you need it, mm -hmm. but because of how bad I was, it was you need to be taking it thirty to four times a day. Okay, and were you? How long was that going on for? How long was I'd that? I'd say a good two months. So you're taking yeah, diazepam yeah, for two months. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's only supposed to be a short term thing, but mm. thing, thing as things both get, how how bad they were. My, 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 the doctors have said, look, you need to take it. The other way, you're just gonna get worse. Right. So I remember going over there, Swindon, straight over there, and uh, people were crying, and I, you know, I was still never cried. I didn't. I had no emotion. I had no feeling. Um, I felt numb. And uh, I sat there and. I said to my dad, I said to him, I don't really want to sit here. You know, people crying, starting to get, starting to, rather than be upset, I was starting to annoy me. I started getting angry. So I had to go outside. Why did you feel as how that was? I was just getting, it was just the voices, you know, looking at them crying. Why are they crying for? You know, they'd, they'd even go as far as to say he deserved to die. He was a bad person. And, and, and you know, I was so, getting angry at them. So the voices were, yeah. right, okay. They were getting, I was getting angry at them for saying these things. Mm. But I wasn't taking it out on them, I was taking it out on other people. So I'd have to remove myself from the situation, move out, go outside, get a bit of fresh air. And I said to my dad, I need to go home, otherwise I can't stay here. Mm. Uh, and then on the, it was quite a quick process of the funeral. Uh, the funeral came and I, again, didn't cry. Didn't cry at all, I suppose, body, I just, just thought, no, no, I couldn't, I wanted to cry, but mm. I couldn't, I couldn't cry. I'd have that feeling inside that I wanted to cry, but I couldn't. Yeah. And uh, when, when we said goodbye and whatnot, um, I remember, and people would even say to me, Arab, why, 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 you know, why are you sitting here? Why, why are you talking normally that your granddad just died? What, what was, you know, like, why, why, why are you not showing any emotion? I said, don't, I just don't have any emotion. Uh, I don't, I don't feel, don't, I feel sad. Yeah, I do feel sad, but I, I can't cry. I don't, I just don't, I don't know. I just feel like mom. Like numb, I don't feel my brain feels numb. Do you feel as though anybody understood why? No, why? No. When I went home, things got worse from there. Uh, the, the voices would get worse. Um, you know, my mom and dad would obviously force me to eat because um, I wasn't eating. So they 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 make me food and buy me food that I used to enjoy eating before, mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, I used to sometimes like write through like soup and that, and, and my mum would make me soup, and I remember I took a bite, like a, 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 a bit of bread in the soup, and I'd ate it, and it was a bit too hot, 
and I've, I've never had this rage before. It was so much anger, bang on the table. Who made this? Why is it so hot? Shouting at parents, shouting at brothers, mm. um, you know, throwing things. Um, and uh, yes, mate. But, mate, I was just to say, what do you what do you think of that now? Like now that you look back on it in hindsight, why do you think you were getting so angry at that point? I didn't feel I was in control of my emotions. Right. Okay. I was getting angry because I was upset and anxious and I wasn't well. Yeah. And these things would annoy me. I would get angry at my mum because she would say, um, she'd say to me, uh, what, what do you want to eat? Oh, you always talk about eating, don't you? Why don't you just shut up? Stuff like that, yeah. you know, really yeah. aggressive towards them. And they were very, very sort of, they, they were understanding that, oh, okay. Yeah, but the, but the way you're saying it, this is the frustration coming out. Frustration, and the, the problem was this is totally out of character. I, was yeah. never, I never used to get angry. Yeah. I never used to argue with anyone, parents. I used to listen yeah. to what they said. Mm. Um, I didn't so want, that's, that's your own upset, that, the, yeah, the distress yeah, yeah. of what's going on. I didn't want my friends to come and see me. I stopped my friends coming to my house. Yeah. Um, and then um, things got worse. And, and, and then that's when I was in, introduced to the home treatment team. Right. Which is a crisis team mm-hmm. uh, with nurses that come to your house every day uh, and they talk to you. It's a bit similar to what John does, but it's not. John was more my community, community psychiatric nurse. He talked he talked to me about different coping mechanisms and whatnot. Mm. But the meetings with John were getting a little bit sort of, I was telling him, I'm not feeling well. These are not working. We need to. So he's thinking he didn't really have the qualifications to do CBT, so he couldn't do CBT. Um, and then when, when home treatment came, John sort of took a step back mm. because it was it was needed a bit more intense treatment. Yeah. And uh, I remember I was saying to them, that I'm not feeling well, I'm not feeling well, things aren't getting good, things aren't getting good. So then the guy said to me, he said, look, we've tried everything now, medication, therapy, nothing's working. We're going to need, you need to go into hospital. And I was like, no, I'm not going in. He goes, no, we need you to, we need you to go in. Even if it's for a few days, mm-hmm. we need you to go in. Just pack a bag, and we found a bed at Bushyfield, which is in Dudley. Mm-hmm. Um, get somebody to take you there. Mum and Dad come home, told them Mum got upset. My dad took me, uh, and I remember walking in to that to the ward, and there were people hitting their head against the walls, talking to themselves, laughing, and I thought, well, I can't mm-hmm. stay here. And um, I remember I'd just subject myself to my room. I wouldn't leave the room because I was scared. I'd lock the door before I went to bed because like it was like strange. I'd never been in this sort of yeah. environment before. And um, I was in there for four days and then I came out. And things then started to improve. Do you know why? I think it was because the combination of medication that I was on uh, and um, seeing other people like that. Mm. I thought maybe I'm, you know, okay, I might be bad and I might be suffering really bad, but there's people there that are a lot, lot worse than what I am, and and and, and I can, I'm still in control of what I can do. I, I don't want, you know, from April till September, I was just lying there every day, mm. just lying there. I'd have TV on in the background, but I wasn't watching it. I was just lying there, and you know. Um, I used to like watching Jeremy Carr, but even that used to annoy me, the shouting, I didn't like it. 
you know, turn it off or yeah. uh, yeah, my mum and dad said try watching comedy films and stuff like that just to try and um, try and like make you laugh and nothing and uh, when I came out in September I came out after four days and I came home and uh, there's this medita medication started to kick in and, and, and I said to myself look I thought I'm here, I'm not earning any money, I'm not going to university, I'm not doing anything in my life. Mm. I need to try and find a job. Maybe try and find a job, maybe that might help take the mind off things. Started applying for jobs, got a few interviews. Um, and and the, the negative voices would obviously be there, you ain't going to get a job. You know, When I went to an interview, they'd, a couple of interviews, they'd, they'd, I'm trying to express, like, put, answer the question, but if I'd start sort of talking about a little bit more negative than positive mm -hmm. uh, and um, obviously I wouldn't hear him back and I thought oh, I ain't gonna find a job and the more and more I wouldn't hear back the worse my mood would get because I think I'm never gonna get a job you know who's gonna be able to employ me like yeah. with what I've got um, and then I went in for an interview with uh, Asda um, and I got a call back and said I'm gonna offer you a job and I couldn't believe it I was like oh my gosh and uh, you know, I went to the induction. And I started, and, and and things then were just starting to improve because I had a, I had I had a focus. Mm -hmm. I had something to focus on. Yeah. Uh, going to work, uh, it was part time, but it was good because it kept me busy. And um, got you out of the house. Got me out of the house. Yeah. Met new people. Mm -hmm. um, earning money as well. Mm. You know, earning money as well. Seeing money in my bank account every right. month, and then so feeling know, feeling of value. Exactly, yeah. and then. You know, I spent. You know, I, I was spending and I was I was earning, but I was saving as well. And I was, you know, I was getting there. And um, I thought, you know what, like, and even like when I started working, like, even though the voice was there, I could sort of take, keep it under control. Mm -hmm. But then, um, in January two thousand sixteen, um, I started a relationship with someone from Coventry. Um, she was a bit a few years older than I was, but it just happened. I didn't look for it, or it just sort of happened, mm -hmm. um, and it was great. Honestly, it was the best sixteen months of my life. It was, you know, we were, you know, we, I was working, but then on my days off, I was going to see her, and we were going places because she used to drive. You know, we we'd go for meals, we'd go out and about, we'd go different places. Like on her birthday, we went to London. Let's go to the Harry Potter Museum. Mm -hmm. We'd go watch films and. I had it felt as if I had that connection with someone where she would force me out of the house come on we're doing this we're doing that come on and she knew she knew my illness right um but then I think March April um I had a relapse I was at work and um things were getting on top of me my mood became low again uh voices were getting loud and I remember just like breaking down at work in the office and I started crying to my manager they were very concerned. Mm. Um, called my mum. Mum, my mum. I called my mum, but I didn't want to speak because I was crying. And my friend said, "Look, he's really bad. You need to come pick him up. Like, not well." Um, and then when when they said, "Look, don't come into work for the next couple of days. We're gonna re we're gonna refer you to the occupational health therapist. We wanted you to see him first. Yeah. So I was okay. So then I went in the next couple of days later. Spoke to the occupational health. And he said, you're not fit enough to work, or like, you have to be uh, signed off for eight weeks. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, here we go. Um, so then those eight weeks were horrible. Things were getting worse. Um, even it was making a strain on the, my relationship. Mm -hmm. 
But I was still doing things, I was still going out and, and trying to do things and trying to beat what I had because I knew I couldn't let it get on top of me. Right. Yeah. I could not let it take control. Um and and I said to I said I said to my girlfriend at the time, I said, look, I said, what if things don't work out, do you know? Like, I don't know how I'm going to feel. I don't know what's going to happen. She said, don't think about it. You know, and she, she'd give me all, all sort of hope and aspirations. Like, I'm going to get married and all that sort of stuff. And, and then um, I'd say towards the end of the year, things, I started noticing cracks in the relationship. Um, I was arguing a bit. Um, she kept bringing up the fact that, I, you know, I can't really introduce you to my family because you don't really have a good job. And, and, and the, your help isn't doesn't help either and I thought see there you go the, the feeling of oh I'm different from everyone else mm. you know people are going to think bad of me do you think it was like outside pressure from like our community yeah definitely right. definitely that, that's what I just did your relationship yeah, yeah yeah definitely her mum and dad wasn't gonna, wasn't she, she knew that her mum and dad weren't going to approve of someone like me who would didn't have who only have done a part time job and I'd suffered with mental health. Um, so at the time, when things got bad, I just, we've just come to a mutual decision and said, look, maybe it's just, after 16 months, we just sort of said, I remember he was in town at the time and I just said, look, maybe it's best we just, just leave it for now then. And just be, just be friends. I mean, relationship breakdown is difficult. It was difficult, but like I said, it was, I had the support of John and, yeah. and people like that. And, I didn't take it as bad as I thought I would take it. I just sort of went, all right, it's, it is what it is. Did anyone notice at work? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think one of the biggest, I was doing okay, and then one of the biggest triggers were, I was on Facebook and I was at work. And I remember, my, I, I saw on Facebook that my ex, the one over 16 months that she put on Facebook, she's got a boyfriend. Um, seeing that, it was like, brought the whole world crashing down. It was like the worst thing ever. It was just like someone ripped my heart out of my chest. I was like, and then I went on and like a, I, like a, I just went really like, I went in a rage mm. and I went downstairs, I clapped in, I went downstairs, didn't talk to anyone in a mood, slamming doors. Um, and uh, my manager noticed my, my, my Body, body language pulled me to the side she said you need to go home you're not you shouldn't be here mm. you need to go home you, you you know before you either say something to someone or you say to a customer you, you need you're not fit to be here you need to go home so I went home and I told I didn't tell anybody but when I told my mum you know, everybody was saying oh yeah you know but you know it was never going to work out and all that but with that that story don't help somebody saying it's never going to work out mm. doesn't have much but I, you know, I think then it's declined and my health got worse, lost more weight, wasn't eating again and things got worse. So we're at a point now, my psychiatrist is, I'm on a point here at this moment in time, I'm on metazapine, quetiapine, venlafaxine, olanzapine, diazepam. I'm on all these medications and I'm on the highest doses of each one of them. Yeah. So I'm on a, I'm on a lot of medication. Um, a lot of side effects. The olanzapine brought my appetite back. 
I, I was eating a lot. Yeah. But because I was eating a lot, I was putting on weight, like, and things. Obviously, as time was going on, the more weight I was putting on, it was getting my my fitness became low. Um, but because I was on so much medication, I was going to work sometimes half asleep. Yeah. Um, a lot of these are sedative. Yes. Yeah. These yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And um, I had some time off again. Um, and I sat there and I thought, you know what? I don't want to work at Asda anymore because I started to, from a job I used to love going to and do, like working there, mm. I started getting upset. I was, I was didn't want to go in. I hated my job. I just thought, I can't. Things were getting bitter. I, I had an argument with my, one of my best friends at work. Um, I kept saying to him, I'm not feeling well, I'm not feeling well. And, and I'd do all this stuff. And he was telling me, in, in hindsight, when I look back at him, he was right and I was wrong. And I thought, oh, the voice is still yeah, there. Yeah, and the voice was right, still so. there. Okay. They, they, they would say, see, I told you, told you nobody liked you and whatnot. And then yeah. I just said, look, I said, I've got to move. And I remember I was sitting there and my brother, would, my brother came in and he said, oh, AA recruiting. I said, I can't work for the AA. I ain't going to get a job at the AA. You know, I've got no chance. And I was like, no, but just apply. If you don't get it, you don't get it. At least you applied. I thought, nah, I ain't going to bother. And um, I thought, okay, we got no harm in trying. So mm. I applied, had the interview, phone interview. When I had the phone call, I was like, well, and then I had the interview, oh yeah, we're gonna invite you to a face-to-face -face interview. And I was like, oh, okay, this is starting to get a bit daunting now. Like, I can't believe I've actually got into the phone, face-to-face. -face. But then I, then it was like that, that, that feeling of previous interviews of where I couldn't express myself mm. because of voices. I thought maybe I'm gonna mess it all up again. But luckily, when I went into the face-to-face -face interview and, and, and they said to me, it's a full-time position, I thought, okay. And then um, I did the interview and I thought, I didn't do that good, I didn't do that good. So I went home. At the time, I was off from Asda. And uh, I remember um, the next day I got a phone call from AA and I said, oh, we're going to want to offer you a, a place of employment with us. And the, I never felt that that joy come that joy that that nowhere and I thought wow like from where I was in 2015 to where I've come in 2017 mm. now somebody who was even too afraid to leave the house to somebody who got a full-time job it's it, you know it felt good yeah like I like I've proved the voices wrong yeah and I've proved myself wrong not 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 no like my own the voices and my own thoughts I've proved them wrong like okay yeah Maybe I might be sick, I might have mental health issues and I might suffer with this, but on the end of it, even though the voices were saying I'll never get a job, mm. I've now got a full-time job and it gave me that sense of importance. I was going to say, it seems as though at that point it gives you the confidence to back yourself Yeah, yeah. and say, okay, yeah. Yeah, and I, I would start talking back to the voices. Yeah. You know, I'd start saying, okay, then you think that, but look at me now, yeah. you know, I'm earning, you know, good money at AA. You know, I'm making new friends. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place. I, I thought I was in a good place. Obviously, mm. I'm, I'm doing good now. So they, they really understood that it's, uh, it was, at that point, it was like an ongoing chronic issue. Mm. Like it was going exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I had to be fully truthful with them because I knew that if things didn't go quite well in the future, mm. they would say, you never told us that. Right. So yeah. I was fully honest with them, fully... You know, I didn't hold anything back. I told them everything. They were fine. And I'd say I got the job in November. And then I 
I'd say I went till August of September next year, 2018, last year. Um, I had another relapse. Right. Um, I wasn't feeling very well, mm-hmm. and I said to my manager, I don't, you know, I don't feel very well. I, I was at work when it happened. I was panicking, and I remember it was because everyone was laughing and joking at work, and everyone was having fun, and I was just not feeling well. I was just like, ah, oh, that feeling of feeling down again. Something bad's gonna happen. You know, the voices then started to increase in numbers again, and I thought, oh, here we go again. I want to like lose my job here now because like this is different from my as that like these people are serious like this is a proper company now like you're working for like a full time job if you lose this that's it so then I had the only bed I had available was in Warsaw so I had to go to Warsaw I stayed there for a week. What was that like for you like in terms of when the police were there? It was so scary because I've never I've never I've never been in trouble with the police. Right, okay. that, were you sectioned at that point, or was, no, no, no? It was still voluntary going in. Voluntary going in. And uh, the they they, uh, I got to a point where I was thinking, yeah, I need to go in. If my family is too scared to have me in the house, mm. I got I can't be here. I need to go in. Went in. I was in intense treatment, and I tell you what, it was different because at Bushyfield, you know, people people were like they weren't very nice. Like, mm. But then as soon as I went into this new place, people were coming over to me, shaking my hand, asking me how I am, and they were talking to you, even though they weren't right, but like, they'd make you feel like, it was like, it felt as if it was like a holiday, like, people, yeah. You know, Sorry, were these other people that were there? Yeah, or, yeah, like, yeah, you're yeah. Not, not the staff? Not the staff, the yeah, even the there. staff were very right. nice, they would, they, right. they'd come and sit with you and play cards. Or, okay, so it's a different yeah, vibe. Different vibe different totally vibe, different yeah, different vibe, totally different vibe. There was people I made quite good connections with, and and, and would help me, and mm. um, and and these these sort of things, and, and and I was getting to this point where I was like, you know what, I, it's, I I kind of felt guilty guilty for saying it, but I, was like, I actually enjoy being here. It's like I've made some good friends, mm. you know. I'm not, I spent less time in my room and more out out socialising with 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 the others. Okay, and you know, we'd watch TV, mm. um, you know, I'd have my headphones on, but. I, how did you feel in terms of the voices? What was the, what the voices were still there, very loud, very, right. very, very loud. But because I was talking to other people and, yeah. and, and trying to put them at the back of my head, right. and obviously, I was on a lot of big, a lot of medication at the time. Right. Okay. Yeah. And uh, when the doctor said, "Look, um, it, you know, we think you you're okay to go home," mm. so when my dad picked me up, and I. I went home and I felt good about myself because I thought, yeah, you know what, I really enjoyed that. It, it, see, hearing other people's stories, mm. I thought, you know what, like, it was good. Like, I, I, I didn't have that fear of going into hospital anymore because right. I thought it might, it might be. But then I thought, I can't, you know, it's not my choice where I go. It's where they've got a bed yeah. available. But mm. I said to my dad that day, I said, look, I said, my aim now is to concentrate on my work at the AA, get myself better. Get myself, get the medication under control, get myself better, make some new friends, do things. And my dad said, it's good, it's good. And um, as things get on, I went about nine months without having a day off work. Um, family noticed a big change in my attitude, mm-hmm. the way I was. I was getting involved with things, was going out more. Mum and dad were a lot happy because I'd say on my days off, I'd say, oh, I'm, I'm popping out with my mate. Whereas before, I would just sit at home, do mm-hmm. nothing. 
and I'd say, yeah, I'm just popping out with my mate and my dad and mum and dad, like, okay, you know, like, happy, I'm doing things. Yeah. And, um, you know, things got, things got really well, and then I was doing really well, and work, you know, even said to me, you know, we've no, like, I was getting recognition for being the best uh, worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name was on the board. Um, I was passing all my quality exams. Uh, qualitative calls. Um, I made the highest number of calls in a decade. So I was doing really well. I was, you know, yeah. things were improving, and I thought, you know what? I I think I'm finally getting the hang of life again. Mm-hmm. I'm getting my life back. And um, the voice is sort of still there, but in 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 the distance. And that that feeling, like you said before, about proving them wrong. Yeah. Again, I had that feeling like you know what you you. You know, you got me to that place. But be, I think, to this day, I still say, being in Dorothy Patterson Hospital in Warsaw was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because it opened my eyes. I met new people. I had to help. I met a lot of staff that were really nice. And, and you know, we, we they, they, they'd have things like tea and coffee uh, coffee and donuts. And the, the staff would take their time out and sit with you and talk to you, play, mm-hmm. play mm-hmm. pool with you and... There was a pool room and there was like um you know um i they used to have ipads where you could use to go on the internet and yeah. watch films or whatever um, people viewers used to get together in the evening to watch a film and it felt as if i was like i was like on a holiday home like meeting with friends mm-hmm. and uh, i was quite upset to go leave um i was uh, you know i went when they said i could go home it was a sort of a hop you know what was your diagnosis it's uh severe depression uh, with psychosis right okay so uh, psychosis is where you're out of touch with reality yeah so you respond to external stimulus yeah. that's not there yeah yeah some people hear things yeah like myself i hear voices yeah some people see things yeah some people taste things some yeah. people smell things mm-hmm. it affects your it affects your senses yeah, yeah. so that's what i've got i've got psychosis mm. I've never known anyone, I didn't hear, I didn't know what psychosis was, I didn't even hear the word psychosis before I had it, I was diagnosed with it. Um, fast forward this year, uh, things were going good, um, I had a meeting at work, again obviously when I went back to work, things started improving again, mm. medication was right again and, and, and I was taking it after a decent time and people in there said look, we're really really impressed with your performances at work, so we're giving you a promotion to a recovery assistant, which is a little bit more money as well. So brilliant. That feeling again, I've proved everyone wrong again. Yeah. Yeah. So then I started on the recovery team and it was brilliant. I met new people again and made new friends and things were going good and I used to enjoy what I was doing. It was more, less outbound calls, more inbound calls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then it was, you know, meeting new people again and, and all that sort of stuff. It was going good. and. Uh, I'd say maybe a few months ago, uh, I relapsed again. Okay. Um, I I came into work, and I went I went to see the doctor. Really, it was, it was the end of July. Um, I went to see the doctor, and I said, "Look," they said, "Do you feel?" I was I, you know I was hearing voices, but these voices were starting to get different. Now. Like I was hearing demon voices and talking different languages. Um, I was hearing, when I was trying to sleep at night, before it was just all in my head, 
But then I started hearing voices coming from inside the room, people whispering my name, right. little children singing nursery rhymes, people saying, little kids saying, come and play with me, you know, come, 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 and, come to the light, come and, you know, come and find me. And I was like, this is like getting a bit scary now, like, like this, this hasn't happened before. Right. So then I told my manager and the manager was like, okay, then like, when, when I told the doctor, sorry, she said, do you, do you see yourself fit to work? I said, no. So she said, do you think benefit by having a few weeks off is going to help you? I said, yes, but I can't. I'm going to lose my job at work. I can't have time off work. Mm -hmm. She goes, okay. She said, all right. But she said, I think myself, you should have time off, mm -hmm. but I can't force you to have time off. Mm -hmm. So she said, yeah, I'm going to give you some diazepam again. Take that and tell me how you get on. So then I, I said to my, my dad said to me, look, if you're not well enough to work, you're not well enough to work, just, just tell them you're not well. They understand. Mm. They know what your problem is. It's not like it's brand new information. And, and I told them and I went to work and I, I pulled my manager to the side and I said, they're, they're, my manager's broken, but oh, he's brilliant. Even to this day, he's brilliant. And he said to me, I said to him, he, he's fully aware of what was going on. And mm. I said to him, look, this is the worst I've ever felt. Mm. And he said, you, you shouldn't be here then. And I said, no, I want to try it first. I want to see how I get on with the diazepam, see if that calms things down. I remember I was sitting there and I just thought, oh, I can't do this. So I just logged out of the phone. I didn't even ask her. just logged out of the phone, logged out of the PC, got my stuff. And I told my manager, she came into the meeting with me. I told her, she said, look, get yourself up. I don't, don't, you shouldn't be here if you don't think you're going to be well enough to be here. Mm -hmm. Don't. And I was like, yeah, but what about my job? Like, do I, I'm going to lose my job. She goes, not going to lose, told you you're going to lose your job. I said, I don't know, just... And uh, she said, no, no, you ain't going to lose your job. Um, so she said, go home. Um, so I went home. Um, the home treatment team started being involved again. Mm -hmm. And uh, they said, no, you, you know, you're not well. So I went to my GP. They signed me off for eight weeks. They didn't. didn't that was the start of August. So then uh, things, were, things, things started to get worse. Mm -hmm. So the home treatment team got in and the, the doctor came and said, look, he said, you're all on this high dose of medication. You're taking the highest dose of all medications that we can possibly offer you at this moment in time. Yeah. And you're still experiencing these symptoms, which tells me that the medication you are taking is not working. Right. So he said, and I, I'll never forget he said it, he said, we're going to have to stop all of it and start yeah. again. Right. Start from scratch. Try something else. Instead. Try something else. So I'm on five different medications a year at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... Cotiopine now, um, over the course of from from then till now, mm -hmm. has stopped from I was on the highest dose which was eight hundred milligrams. Uh, I am now on two hundred milligrams of cotiopine, mm -hmm. and I've been introduced to lorazidone, which is it's supposed to treat people with schizophrenia, but it helps with psychosis. Yeah, I'm on not the highest dose of that yet. I will be tomorrow though. Um, not the highest dose of that yet, but I'm on the second. So I'm on that now. Um, and then they're gonna, I think the next is metazapine to come down from 75. Um, so they're trying to take you off all the sedatives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and obviously, when they come to my house, and, and home treatments aren't supposed to be a short term thing, mm. it's not, not there for long term. My doctor said this time we're going to keep you under the home treatment team for the next couple of months. Right. We're gonna monitor you, um, your change in medication, mm -hmm. your behavior. If because if anything does change or gets drastically worse, 
then at least we can we're here to tackle it and yeah. we can put you in hospital or you know. Yeah. And he said, look, he said most he said to pull my mum to the side, he said he said, uh, most people when we do this we do in hospital. But he said I think Aaron will benefit from being at home with his family right. and friends and yeah. doing things. And um So how are you feeling at the moment? Like good. Yeah? I'm getting it. Um I'm taking part in activities, you know, I'm great. and I thought what I'm going to do is, uh, my Instagram, my Twitter, I had Twitter and Instagram, I deleted them. Mm-hmm. And I thought I'm going to start fresh, mm-hmm. get a Twitter account, and I'm going to follow people, and I'm going to create my own sort of campaign to help, and that's what I've done, and uh, I started getting followers from all types of followers, faiths, and uh, I had a... And I had somebody, we called the, uh, I'm part of a, I'm an advocate also for uh, a team called uh, Mental Health Crisis Angels. Right, okay. Uh, what oh, it, you know, I see the response. Yeah, 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 I already got there like, a couple of years. But uh, yeah, they reached out to me and said, you know, we, we would love your work, mm-hmm. what you're trying to raise awareness for. We would love for you to be part of our team. So what it is, is uh, we're there for anybody that, any face doesn't have to be, you know, specifically. But we're out there. We, 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 we you know, we, we, we promote these things, these talks and these, mm. you know, and they'll say, I, you know, all of our DMs are open, you know, and and I've come across a lot of friends now. I've made a lot of friends on Twitter, um, a lot of people. I've got my own support group on Twitter on my messages. Uh, that there's a couple of people um, who are a little bit um, therapists. Mm-hmm. That I can say, look, I've got this problem, this is what I'm worried about, what do I do? And they talk to me and then the problem's crushed like that. Right, okay. But then we've got a social group where all of us get together. We, we don't talk about mental health, mm-hmm. we talk about things that happen in our lives. Yeah. You know, I'm going out today, or what the weather's nice, or things mm-hmm. like that. And it's, it's, it's not supposed to be, that, that social group is not supposed to be for people to put their problems in. They, that's, it's a sensitive thing where people just say, look, you know, the, and I'm working alongside that, but. I, I did tell them I want to do my own little thing as well yeah. at the same time. I want to raise awareness in my own community. Um, and they, they're fully behind it. Um, that's when I started reaching out to you guys. and I thought, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write my own little story, my own journey. Because mm. I want people to read it and say, if he can do it, if Aaron can do it, then I can do it. And that, that's the message I want to I get across to everyone. Because yeah. I just want to know if I can do it. And from what I've been through in my life, uh, a lot of tragedies and whatnot. If I can do it, and and, and I, I'm I'm. If I can do it, and, and, and if I can get a full time job, and then I can you know, get relationships, and I can still live what people class as a normal life, mm. then there's no reason why nobody else can do it. I agree completely. I think there's something there's something really important in what you've talked about today is about um, there is relapse and recovery. Yeah, and it's just about reaching out for support yeah. when you need it and, and, and it's there and it's always about and it's available sometimes it may be a bit late getting there but it's, not it's gonna, there for yeah, you yeah it's, it's not no, it's not going to happen it's not going to happen automatically yeah. and it's not I'm not saying reach out to people and you, you know as soon as you reach out and you get the help and, and the medication you're going to improve like that yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a long process you it's, will, just, it's up and down it's all trial and error trial and error but look at me now mm. Four years down the line, gonna be five years in April, and you know, work. Um, I've got a full time job. 
you know, I've got a lot of support with family. Um, I'd definitely say my family, mm. uh, not just my own household family, but my extended family are now aware of the awareness of what I've come across. You know, I've told them my story and mm. look, I've said, look, this is actually happens. Like they've seen like it happens and now they're even my baby now, she's a more aware to mental health. Yeah. She even she knows now, like she says, Oh, you know, you know, when people ask her oh, how's Aaron, yeah, he's okay, you know, mm. and I've never heard her say psychosis. Mm. When she said told somebody that, they were like, well, what's that? And then she's like everybody my family now is like sort of when people ask how I am, they use the oh he's fine. It's more like, yeah, he's doing good. But mm. he suffers from depression and, and, and whatnot and, and uh, so my the, the, my family's awareness has, has improved but I, I I truly believe that if I come out and, and, and I know it's hard I, it's, I'm not saying it's easy and it's difficult mm. especially in the Asian community in the Sikh community because a lot of people are afraid of what their parents are going to say yeah. or their, 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 their elder generation are going to say mm. but if you're not comfortable to talk to them, then make an appointment, go to the doctors. I'm I'm always available, my Twitter's available, my Facebook's available. And there's also a lot of support in, in people's local, yeah, local yeah. locality areas. Yeah, there's a lot of support. Well. So it's, it's, it's about each, patching yeah, into yeah, those exactly. areas. Yeah, exactly. Each, each, each county, like, I didn't know there was that much help out there, mm. but we've come a long way in mental health from when my papa yeah. had it to when I've got it now. So, so we've come a long way. Mm. And I've got to say, without the home treatment team, Without the you know, intervention service, I wouldn't be here today telling the story. I think I would have, I would have pretty, pretty much given up. But uh, they gave me that hope to never give up. And uh, a lot of people laugh at me. Really, uh, one of our role models growing ever since I have been diagnosed with this is John Cena. It's just it's just the way he goes on about life. Mm. Never give up. You know his story was positive his, message. Yeah, yeah. And I've got all of his T-shirts. I've got all of his, and his message. I've, that's it. That his message never give up. Those were that's my catchphrase. Mm. That's what I say. Whenever I feel down and I feel upset, that's why I just remind myself never give up. Because if you give up, it ain't worth it. it you know, mental health. You know, it can attack you in different ways. But if I can do it, hey, so there's no reason why anybody else can't do it. But if if I just want to get across, if if anybody needs my support or anything, or anybody wants to explore in a bit more detail what 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 how or what i went through then i'm always there uh, and i'm available for anyone for right. anybody any faith any religion any color anything like that so uh, thank you very much for oh, yeah, I'm just aware the story. Yeah, yeah yeah thank you very much for letting me uh, no, th yeah thank you for sharing it nah. what we'll do is we'll put all your details and everything up on the video course, link yeah, and yeah. everything so if people want to get in touch with you they can yeah of course um but we'll also be putting up sort of like contact numbers for of course yeah, people as well.